Hey, Jay. Oh, hey, Tyler. How you doing today? I am just lovely. Okay. Oh, it's it's my cousin Stacy. Hi, Stacy. Oh, hey guys. Hey. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Oh, just lovely. So, just for uh, geography's sake, Stacy, where are you coming from right now? I am in lovely Philadelphia, PA. It is slightly nerve-wracking to have a member. I don't. Is this the first family member we've had on the podcast of either of us? Yeah. Have I had a cousin or something? I don't. Yeah, I think that. I don't think so. I, I think, think this that, is the first blood relative. So I'm I'm concerned about the stories that could that could surface <laughs> in the podcast. So the exciting so thing about about brand new guests is that we get to get to my favorite, my favorite, and Jay's uh, tolerating his <laughs> favorite. He tolerates it. I do. Lightning <laughs> round, rapid fire questions to quickly get to know a guest. So we'll we'll go back and forth with these. And uh, Stacy, that it is totally fine. Like any answer is good, including I don't have, I don't know, is always a good because that any of those indicate uh, kind of where you stand. It helps to get a no person. What do you know your enneagram number? My enneagram number is four. Oh, huh. All right. Four is an exciting one. Yeah. What does that mean to you? Do you does it mean anything to you? It's. Um... I think it has to do with a certain creativity and maybe a tendency towards some moroseness or a melancholic viewpoint. Um, one of the things I like most that people talk about is just that fours tend to make people feel like it's okay to not be okay, mm. um, which I hear is something I can do. So, so do you, you hopefully feel that's seen, true. You feel seen by the Enneagram? Um, <laughs> Sometimes I do. Um, yeah, I, I feel like the Enneagram, it sees me. <laughs> what about the other one? Uh, do you know your Myers-Briggs collection of letters? I think that the last time I took the Myers-Briggs, I was an INFP. Hey, but, that's yeah. the coolest one. Oh, is it? Ooh. <laughs> All the cool kids are doing that. Yeah. Is that you too, Tyler? Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm, well, cool. I'm the I'm the I I'm at sometimes an E, but I'm usually an I on the INFP. And I think I'm the same. Older, I think as I get older, I get a little more E than I. As but... I get older, I get a little more I. Interesting. Okay. Well, it's okay. You don't you don't <laughs> exactly. have to be out there all oh, the time. Yeah, yeah. The other day, uh, we had a whole bunch of people come visit us uh, at random points throughout the day, and I joked to Sarah that I feel like a cat that had to be coaxed out of my room. Like I just didn't <laughs> want to be around humans at all. This one's pretty easy. Uh, what is your Hogwarts house? Well, I hope it's Gryffindor, but it's really up to the Sorting Hat, not me. So. Have you been? So you haven't gone on like the? I don't know if it's called Pottermore anymore, but they they have like the official J.K. Rowling site that will sort you. Oh no, I did. I didn't know that. I'll have to check yeah. that out and it's find out. It's a cause of great uh, consternation for me. Yeah. <laughs> I identify as a Ravenclaw, but uh, it keeps telling me I'm a Gryffindor. Oh, which is fine, oh. I guess. It's fine. It's you're getting too I with old age. You I don't am, want to be I the am. hero. <laughs> <laughs> what is a concert that you wish you could travel back in time and see happen live? Okay, I would like to be live with PJ Harvey in the early nineties. Oh yeah, yeah. Little you a PJ Harvey fan? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Oh, this is music to my soul because we are hard to find. Yeah, honestly, it's, well, it's like the micro generation. Like it's the, it's it's a very very specific time. Yeah, it's kind of and like 
uh, that era of uh, not really like it's kind of alternative music, but it was like deep cut alternate, like late night alternative music. Yeah. Like Liz Fair's first album, first couple albums, other ones that I like super love. And even Liz Fair is like a slight, Liz Fair became more popular later, but Liz Fair is like if PJ Harvey were popular. Like right. Kind of yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. Good answer so far. This is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you're winning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, high score! High you, score! You have to pass Is there a prize? <laughs> a guest. We we have many people who didn't pass this and then didn't become guests on the. Yeah. Oh God! Uh, favorite superhero? Storm. Ooh! Wow! That's okay. one we haven't heard, and she is fantastic. So, what are you? What's your feelings on Halle Berry's portrayal of Storm in the? In the I'll movie? be honest. I'm not a big fan of the Marvel movies. Yeah. Um, but I am a big fan of Howie Bear. So, yeah. you know, I'm good with it, but I did, I missed the flowing white hair of yeah. the cartoon. I was real, I, I thought when that movie came out that it should have been Angela Bassett, and I was very disappointed. That, cause oh, was, yeah, that would have been really cool. Yeah. Because yeah. I was a big strong fan as well. Cool. There you go. Favorite Beatle? Paul. I feel like everybody, every answer is the right answer, but I feel like Paul's the most right answer. Yeah. Thank you. I thought you would approve. Why? So why is Paul? Why Paul? Um, I like his songwriting the most, although I I do love Ringo's songs. Um, but I feel like. (laughs) 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 That's probably fair. Um, yeah, he he just delivers the heavy hitters, you know. Uh, this is kind of on par with the Beatle question. Favorite Muppet? Favorite Muppet is probably Animal. Yeah, I I, I had a feeling that one was, was coming. That's you're trending. You're trending Animal. <laughs> trending <laughs> Animal. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite SNL cast member of all time? Uh, I think my favorite moment of SNL of all time was Tina Fey's portrayal of Sarah Palin during the 2008 election. Yes. Couldn't get enough of that. Pretty, very solid. I, I'm was also it? a big fan in that era of um, when Amy Poehler did the rap, the Sarah Palin. Yes. Where yes. They, <laughs> the whole premise was that they did a rap, they made, they wrote a rap for Sarah Palin to do. The actual Sarah Palin came on the show and was like, I'm not going to do it. And uh, so then they, Amy Poehler's like, well, I guess I can do it. And she does it. She, <laughs> she's super pregnant. She had a baby then, like five days later. <laughs> and it's really, really funny. Yeah. I was listening to a, a Lewis Black stand-up bit, and he was talking about how, towards the end, Tina Fey's writers didn't have to work; that she just came out and said actually whatever Sarah Palin said. Yeah, yeah. And that was <laughs> funny enough that we didn't need to change anything. It's just that's yeah, how it I, was. I think yeah. they won an Emmy. Seth Meyers was the head writer at that point, and they won an Emmy for the writing during that period. And Seth Meyers was talking about how Sarah Palin should have been included in that because there were so many times where she <laughs> transcribed what she had said. Uh, and, and it was read as comedy. Uh, favorites, uh, or what's your go-to character in Smash Bros or Super Mario Kart? Yeah, I have definitely never played either of those. That's an answer, um, That's an answer though. That's a, yeah, yeah. again, yeah. but. You know, if I can redeem myself, I am pretty handy at Dr. Mario. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Dr. Mario, I would put in high contention for best music of any. Video. Oh, yeah, definitely. The chill theme, I can yeah. just listen to that all night. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it's 
it's one of the ones that's like constantly going in my mental stereo. Like it, it's on, <laughs> it, it's in the shuffle almost daily where it'll just come up at certain points. And I heard my son singing it the other day. It made me very happy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Win. Speaking is, of which, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. a band or musical liking you inherited from your parents. Well, you know that this one is the Beatles. Yeah. The yeah. Beatles are strong in our family. Oh, yes. Favorite Bible story and or character. Okay. So my first, my first response to this is that I'm more of a Leviticus girl hey. myself. Wow. Mm. Intriguing. Um, but I do love the lesson of the widow's offering. It was always a big one for me. Yeah. I just preached on that. These are some Jay Harvey level answers to the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is good. This is good. So wait, why? Uh, why wait, no. Un- yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. That, uh, Leviticus- you said rapid fire. I know, but, the, <laughs> but people don't answer Leviticus usually. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's That's a accurate. Bar. Um, you know, I got into Leviticus a lot in college. Um, I studied a lot of philosophy and I ended up, um, doing my final college colloquium presenting on the idea that redemption is actually a secular impulse across Mm. every discipline. Mm. And, um, my advisor at the time turned me on to Julia Kristeva, who's a French author who wrote a whole book about Leviticus and abjection. Uh, and I just thought that was really compelling because I was coming from this kind of existentialist viewpoint of like everyone is originating in this kind of forlorn state that we're seeking to kind of move beyond through some salvation or redemptive impulse. Um, so I liked exploring all the, you know, torments of being a soul stuck in a human body. Which Leviticus Leviticus covers pretty well. I like the idea that you have to start. It's like being human is is rough, and then you then there's all the rules that you know basically we just make up. Um, You know, and for for me, existence is is just so much far farther beyond that. But it's kind of like you have to deal with all the struggles of just your gross humanity first before you can get to hopefully the better parts of life. So I. I, I like it. I want to. I want to go dabble in 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 the grossness of it all and and figure it out. And that's so tracks too, right? Like if God grows up with us through the scripture, like the fact that Leviticus is right up front, right? Like you got to figure this out first, and then we'll get to the more existential stuff as we keep going. But like you got to start somewhere. Yeah. Um, we start. And then it's with, fun because you know the rules and prescriptions just change all the time. You know. Throughout human history, at least, you know, not in terms of dogma necessarily, but it's just kind of like there's so much in there that was really important when it was written, and we throw most of it away now and don't even think about it. What about the widow's offering? Uh, speak to you. Um, I'm super into tithing. Um, I, I love that. I think it's so important. Uh, I, I'm someone who does a lot of abundance work and, you know, I'd like to have my wealth management day and keep things in line. And I think it's really powerful to be always giving to whatever extent that you can. Um, and it, it's, it just, it's uplifting for your own subjective experience. It's good for the world. And I think it just increases the abundance around you. It, it, feels good and then it has good impacts 
man, can you come talk at my church? You know, like, <laughs> it's like, I don't mean to throw my church under the bus, but like around here, and there are a lot of churches like this, that like the deal is don't talk about money. Yeah. Um, Cause they're so scared of whatever talking about money looks like, but I, it actually is quite liberating and freeing to be into tithing and focus on the abundance of, the, of God's world. And like, that's a good deal. Like, Oh yeah. You I mean, money's just there. made up anyway. Yeah. So, you know, it's not, right. it's not like there's a limited supply. Do you guys know the album by Bjork Medulla? Yeah. Yeah. There's a song on that album where she says, um, the pleasure is all mine to get to be the generous one is yeah. the strongest stance. And, you know, I just try to live by that. Like when in doubt, give, um, cause it, it really is, it's liberating and it feels amazing. Yeah. Uh, and I feel sad when I hear people say like, oh, you know, one day when I'm really rich, then I'll give I'll give to other people. And it's like, well, you know, in the U.S. especially, we are all already rich. And, yeah. you know, if you're going to wait for some day, it might be a long time coming. Oh, I've never met anyone who says I've got enough money. Like they, <laughs> everyone is always thinking like, I'm almost there. Got to reach my goals or something. And right. And it, so the narrative is scarcity regardless of how much we have with our food with our time with our with our stuff like we that charity is seen as a benevolent act because who would do that naturally like that like boy it really costs you to give away all of your old jackets and aren't you great for doing that like that <laughs> the notion that, that <laughs> oh, in our abundance uh we still are scarce like we still have scarcity uh, is what fuels kind of the materialism and, and corporate nature of the narrative that we all live out. And so it makes giving seem uh, like a like a really benevolent thing instead of just something that frees you from the fear, uh, which is a whole different thing. Totally. Thanks for coming to my it, TED Talk, though. <laughs> yeah. I could talk to you about that for two hours. So Yeah, we should have, I would, I mean, just based on your answer right there, we need a good, we need a good, uh, we might we might have to have you back just to talk about giving at some point because I think that yeah. that's it's something that I really uh, I'm not comfortable talking about it and I really should be and there's some people who love talking about it and just hearing your responses it, it's that was really great so that might be something we need to talk about. Oh, cool, yeah, I would love that. All right, but the perfect follow-up question: uh, What is your favorite <laughs> sport to play and your favorite sport to watch? Um, favorite sport to play is like some good old wilderness hiking. <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah. Um, and favorite sport to watch, I've always been into the Olympics, um, especially Winter Olympics, especially. I like the ice skating, um, you know, all the, the weird like tobogganing and ski jumping. That's, that's yes. some fun stuff to watch. I, I love ski jumping for the position that their bodies are in before they jump. While they yeah. jump, and then when they land, like none of yeah. them are very, they're all very awkward, awkward body positions. Uh, when they land, like if their legs are still there, <laughs> you know, right. like, but when they, even when they land a perfect landing, it's like, uh, uh, like it looks yeah. so. Yeah. That's, that's a sport that like, I'm sure there is a progression to how you start like at nothing and get to really good at ski jumping. But like, there's got to be some point in that progression. That's just like, well, here we go. Let's see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oy. What's like the the luge? 
where you're just sliding. Oh, yeah. It's just like the luge must have been invented by the bobsled. Like somebody was waiting on the bobsled and they're like, I want to do it. And they're like, no, we don't have room for you. He's like, I'm just going. And they just jumped and just. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is the last movie that you watched? The last two movies I watched were both Beauty and the Beast. Like the Interesting. Same twice or the live action and then the animated <laughs> Okay, so I'm I'm really serious about my Beauty and the Beast. So first I watched <laughs> first I watched the 1943 surrealist French yeah, yeah. Beauty and the Beast, which yeah. is just my favorite piece of art that ever. Crazy. Yeah, love yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so you know that's like once a month I pop that one in, and then I watched the OG Disney 91. animated because I do not approve of the live action Beauty yeah, and the Beast. I don't, I don't yeah. And the we, best praise I've heard about it is it's just like the original. It's like, well, then I'm going to watch it. Like, that's well, <laughs> first of all, that's not true. Yeah, and... no, absolutely it's not. <laughs> we, we I'm glad we can be friends now. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think we've had this conversation many times. I think that the live action Disney stuff is the Weezer cover album of movies. Yeah. Oh. But we won't go on that soapbox again. What's the, uh, what's the farthest from your house that you've ever been on the planet? Okay, I had to look this up, and it's Croatia um, by about 100 miles because I went to Santiago a couple years ago, and that's like 100 miles less far away. So I might have to extend my radius in the coming why, years. How'd you end up in Croatia? Um, I was studying abroad, and that's, you know, you could take a bus from oh, yeah. Paris where I was studying to Croatia. So I, I did that for 40 hours. Was it worth it? Was it nice? It was. It was gorgeous. It was It was beautiful. What is your favorite smell? Sandalwood. Ooh, sandalwood. Is there, does sandalwood exist outside of the fragrance and or candle world? I believe that sandalwood comes from a tree. Okay. Or a bark. Yeah, I think, I think it has natural origins from, from whence come the fragrances. And then the last one, what, what did you want to be when you grew up? A singer. A singer. Or for, for a minute there, I thought it would be really good if I could be a book editor and I was <laughs> going to move to Vermont and just bake bread and edit people's books. <laughs> but most of the time, it was a singer. Yeah. Do you still sing? You, you, were, you were playing in bands for a little while, right? Yeah, I, I was. I, I do it just for fun now. I'll play here and there with friends or, you know, write a little ditty to myself. But um, not so much out and about. I got stage fright as an adult. So mm. do you have a go to <laughs> song that like if if karaoke had whatever, like full catalog? Oh, so that dream actually came true at a karaoke bar in the desert in Chile when I was there. And they, they didn't have like a karaoke, you know, program. They were just pulling up whatever song you wanted on YouTube. Oh, so I got to do my dream karaoke, which was um, Dance This Mess Around by the B-52s. Mm, yeah. Just, oh, you know, like, I'm not a Limburger. Why won't you dance with me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so we did the Chukaloo and the Shy Turtle and all the dances. B-52s is like just such a, that's a wonderful rabbit hole to get to fall into. Like if you just kind of, 
I, I had that with Devo the other day, where I realized like Devo is more than just a couple songs. Like you can just keep on listening to Devo. It's pretty. pretty oh yeah. Very similar kind of. I mean, very different band, but a similar band in that we are all familiar. It's with similar them. band too. Yeah, I guess that's true. But we're all familiar. I'll take with them together. Handful of, of B fifty two songs, but if you keep listening, they're like, no, they're all that good. Like they, yeah. they <laughs> like you aren't going to be surprised by like this is B fifty twos. Like they all have a similar sound, but they're all they're all quality. Like it's it's a it's a it's not a one hit wonder or two or three hit wonder bands. No, and they're still going strong. They're like yeah. touring around every summer. Yeah, they're real fun. And they get it too. Like I think that's what the fun thing about a band like both B fifty twos and Devo. Like they both are serious about it, but they also get it. Like they're there. Yeah. When people are like, "You're a weird band," they're like, "Yeah, of course we are." And it's like, <laughs> "Hello." That song was silly. He's like, "Yeah, of course it was." <laughs> Good. Rock you lobster. It. Yeah, that song doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, we have in fact tallied up the scores, and Stacy has won the rapid fire questions for most interesting answers. Like she that's has. beyond true at this point. You know, that's absolutely. Oh yeah. See, because I'm a four. There you go. That was it. Yeah. So uh, let's let's get going with the episode. I'm Tyler. I'm Jay. I'm Stacy. And this is (laughs) rubbing (laughs) Rubbing the faster. Stacey, what, what do you do for them? I'm a tattoo artist. Hey, is that how you say it, tattoo artist? I'll say tattoo artist or tattooer. I like tattooer also. I like tattooer too. I, I, yeah. I, I did not hear that until a couple years ago, and I thought, is that a made-up word? Because that's lovely. But tattooer is pretty fun. And, and yeah, tattoo artist can be a little elitist, so yeah, yeah. tattooer is good. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Subway sandwich artists, that's a thing, right? You know, <laughs> do you wear a button uh, that says certified? <laughs> yeah. I don't well, have uh, that button. We, oh, we'll, we'll get right on that. We'll get the button. Oh, man. Oh, that, that makes me, I really, I'm going to put this out to the, to the listeners. Uh, no one ever sends us gifts, but if you want to, if you can find a, a sandwich artist button to send to me, I will wear it. Yeah. <laughs> we do believe it or not have listeners from the philadelphia area so what what's the name of your shop just in case anybody's in town looking for looking for a tattoo oh cool so it's eastern pass tattoo company and we're in the east Pashyunk neighborhood of south philly so how how'd you get into that like how did you decide the tattoo artist or tattooer was was the the right path for you and what's the process look like to actually get there You know, people ask me that all the time, and I wish I had a better answer because the process for me was pretty long. And um, I don't know, I guess eventually there was a moment that I was like, okay, I'm going to really try to do this. But more than anything, it was just kind of one of those things that kept coming up as maybe this would be a good idea. Maybe that's a way to be a professional artist. I don't know. I kind of feel like I want to do that. And then just leaning into it and you know kind of knocking on doors it's it's a pretty old school uh trade still so there's a lot of just showing up in person and trying to talk to people and make connections where you can um to get a foot in the door uh so 
it was, it was a long process. I started my first apprenticeship in, um, 2010, I guess out in Wyoming. And I was living in the middle of nowhere out there. So there was like one guy who did tattoos and (laughs) I just kind of showed up in town and was looking for a job or a friend or whatever and rolled into the chamber of commerce office and said, Hey, I'm looking to become a tattoo artist. And they said, Oh, you need to meet George. (laughs) And, um, you know, it, it started there and has gotten much more professional since then. I guess (laughs) you could say no, no offense to George. He's a great guy. (laughs) Yeah. George is awesome. That's it. Is it true? Like I've, I've read slash heard that like, tattooing on a pig is like part of the way you start like what's that how do you learn that that's something you can do i have yet to tattoo on a pig but i did tattoo a fair number of grapefruits and oranges Um, yeah uh it's it's funny they say you can tell on a citrus fruit if you've tattooed it too deep because when you peel it it'll have black under the skin Mm. Um, but i i don't know that that's you know, really comparable to human skin. And honestly, it's more kind of start tattooing a person, find, find some poor soul who will let you (laughs) poke and stick at them and just hope it goes well. How long did it take before you felt like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. Like where you you felt like you didn't have to apologize to the person after you gave them the tattoo. (laughs) Well, so I was lucky because the first person I ever tattooed was a a pretty crazy guy who, um, even though he was a tattoo artist in a tattoo shop, when he sat down to get tattooed by me, he claimed that that would be his first tattoo he'd ever gotten in a shop, which didn't make any sense, but it definitely let me off the hook. So, um, I never was, was too hung up on like, oh, I'm going to mess somebody up and, you know, knock on wood, things have gone pretty well there. But it definitely took several years before I felt like I was really giving good tattoos that I was happy with and felt really solid about. For you personally, what, what's the difference in investment of a, of a piece when someone says, here's what I want, gives you general idea, and then um, I'd like you to come up with it versus coming in with like a printed piece of paper and say, put this on my arm. Um, the processes are just kind of different. Uh, I do a lot of fine art reproductions or even, you know, people want reproductions of handwriting or, you know, simple images that they print off the internet or wherever they find them art that their family members make. And honestly, that's, that's pretty simple to do. So that has its own pleasure. It would be like if someone came to you and said, this is your sermon this week. And you're like, well, that's not what I was really going to say, but okay, I don't have to write anything now. So cool. Um, can go for a bike ride or something. Um, you know, whereas custom work can be, I wouldn't even say that it's more meaningful. I think everything that people get tattooed on themselves has a lot of meaning to them. I can get more invested in some of the custom work depending on what it is. Um, but it's also a lot more work. And then I have homework that night, um, which is cool. I signed up for that. Um, so they're just, they're just kind of different ball games and I'll have different days where it's like, Oh, I'm just going to do what people come in with off the street today versus I'm going to draw for 10 hours in advance to do this one. 
that actually dovetails into we we had kind of come up with some questions ahead of time and i have this one that's my first question which is really three questions but it's, it fits into <laughs> that so i'll ask all classic tyler domsky classic yeah, yeah we each came up with three questions i came up with 10 and then just put the numbers one two three <laughs> there you go uh, so but here, here's kind of the cluster of questions because it goes along with that what's the relationship that you want with the client like what's the ideal what are you trying to trying to to stress there what would be your ideal relationship uh, and then what's the attachment that you have to a particular piece? Uh, and then kind of extending out, combining those two, do you ever reflect on um, how you gave that person something that will be with them for the rest of their life? And in a sense that you're part of that person's story. Okay. Those are, those are big questions. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> the relationship I like to have is really centered on trust. Um, and I like to develop a really comfortable rapport with a client, ideally. Uh, and then it, it's a fascinating thing with tattooing because there's kind of this thing where it's like someone comes in and, you know, how's your day going? How's life? You know, maybe I have worked with them before or not. And we kind of get to know each other and chat for a while as we get going. And then usually there's a point in a tattoo where you kind of like check out of your body and are just dealing with the pain or your breath or analyzing whatever you dreamt about last night, people just, you know, go into their own world and I go into my own creative space and there's usually some quiet time in there. Um, so it's nice when that's comfortable. Not everyone, especially in, in Philly, not everyone's comfortable with that quiet time. Um, so I really appreciate when people bring a lot of trust to our interaction and are choosing to work with me because they are familiar with the work that I do and trust that I'm going to deliver something they're happy with. Uh, it can be more challenging when people are anxious about the results or anxious about getting exactly what they think they have in their mind, uh, which can be pretty nebulous. Yeah, and I, I usually do document everything in photographs uh, because you're right. A lot of the time, I would say probably about 50% of the people I work with, at least I see again and might lay eyes on that tattoo again. Um, but a lot of the time I never see, see it again. I might not even see that person again. So I think that's kind of cool. It, it, artists, you know, myself and other people, you can get really attached to your work and it can be hard to let go of. There's this investment of time into an art object that you can become very identified or attached to. And that's kind of counterproductive if you're trying to be a professional because ultimately you want to sell your work. Um, so that's sort of solved in tattooing because it's no matter how much you like what you've done, you can't keep it. Yeah. It's going to walk out the door. Uh, so I think that's nice. It, it really keeps me from feeling too attached or identified with anything that I'm doing, which seems to be a positive. And I like the question about the permanence of it, because there's a dynamic where I feel an incredible responsibility to take that seriously and to, you know, always take on work that I feel like I can do honor to the value and meaning of that for the person who's going to wear it. Um, so in that sense, it's really important that it's permanent and that I hold that as sacred in a way. On the other side, I don't know that you can do this job if you're too focused on the fact that it's permanent for somebody. Um, and I think I've been lucky that that's not something I've ever been too hung up on. 
because that's always the thing that people who don't tattoo are like, oh, how do you, isn't it so much pressure to do something that's always going to be there? And I really get the fact that if you were focused on that, it would be hard to do. So I have some detachment from that so that I'm able to do it. And you just kind of do the best you can and assume that you're working in good faith and hopefully everything comes out beautifully. Yeah. I am in that permanence would freak me out category. Mm -hmm. Uh, I need like six drafts to get anything right. Um, Stacy, you've done a tattoo for me. You've done a tattoo for, for uh, Sarah, my wife. And you said at one point when we were together uh, for those pieces that one of your favorite things to do is tattoo family. Um, And I, it sounded beautiful and I never really followed up, I think, because I was getting my tattoo done and I was just weeping openly and trying not to let you see that. <laughs> uh, but what is it about tattooing family? Uh, like who else have you done and, and what what's meaningful about that that experience for you? I've tattooed a lot of family at this point. I've tattooed also your sister and brother-in-law. Um, and I've tattooed my dad. I've tattooed several cousins on my mom's side. Uh, and the thing is, tattooing is fundamentally pretty intimate. And I think today more so than ever with COVID and, you know, people are just really aware of the the trust and risk of putting your body in someone else's hands or even being in close proximity to another person. So for me, just the act of performing a tattoo itself has a great amount of intimacy in it that you're in physical contact with someone you're kind of you know you're not just invading someone's like personal bubble of we don't tend to get within three feet of each other but you're right up in their face breaking their skin um so to have that it's it's a singular interaction that when I started tattooing my dad, it was like such a fun experience. We like listened to Leonard Cohen for a couple hours and just talked and it was him and me. And it, it's really moving to have someone that you already love place that level of trust in you. And then it's this kind of special intimacy that you only get in that relationship that for most of the people I tattoo, I'm not interested in being intimate with them. They're people I don't really know very well, especially if I'm just meeting them. And you, you develop that intimacy and rapport over time and lots of tattoos. Uh, but to get to have that other kind of encounter with people that I already know and care about is really cool. And, and I'll say too, that cuts both ways. I, I know Sarah right now is working on a, a piece with you that has to deal with a loss of a pregnancy that we had a whole bunch of years back. And like, it is so cool to not have to go to some total stranger down on the South side of Pittsburgh to get that tattoo, but to be able to come to family and like tell that story and have you honor the story more than a stranger would. Right. Like that's, I think that's just a beautiful thing. Absolutely. I love that. And you know, some of that comes up. I work with people going through all different manner of things and it's interesting. I've had a number of clients lately who've lost a pregnancy or lost an mm-hmm. infant. And, you know, there's a certain amount of respect and sanctity to whatever someone is bringing to their tattoo that on some level I always try to honor. But then like with Sarah in this case, it's, you know, she confided in me the name of that child. And from time to time that just comes into my head now and I can voice that name and, it's a beautiful thing to be able to bring that into 
the world somehow and share that with you guys. So I, I think I was just, I was really, I connected to the, the intimacy um, part of it. Like there really is, uh, it's kind of an unspoken uh, and, and wholly unique. Like there's not, it's not like other levels of connection that we make with people. Like the, the, the tattoos that I've gotten um, even, I mean, with, I, I had one, I, I have a, a handful of tattoos, one done by one guy who I never went back to. Uh, a couple, and then several others that are done by the same guy who I went back to a couple of times. And so it kind of built a semi rapport with him, but uh, the, there's those connections that when I look at these tattoos, I'm always, it connects me to that moment to both to why I got it. Um, but also in ways that I wasn't expecting to the artist, like the, the, and these were just guys, like I had no personal connection to these guys. Uh, they were just recommendations. And, and yet the, the tattoo artist, for me, I still have those connections with those guys. I still very, very much remember that experience and uh, just kind of the, the, there is a connection. And especially with the, with the second guy that I went back to a couple of times where um, he invested in the art uh, and what he was giving to me, that it really felt like a shared, like the, to get, I mean, being the canvas for, for an artist really feels like, this art is going to walk away from him, but it's going to stay with me. So I'm representing his art in this sense. And it, that connection was once something I hadn't anticipated uh, going into it. I just thought, Oh, this is a cool thing. I want on my arm. Mm -hmm. It, it became something. And, and as I, uh, as people ask me about where to get a tattoo, I would often kind of use that one as an example and say, this guy is great. And, and so it became a little bit of an advertisement, but also this is a guy who really cares about what he's doing. He really, um, the, the piece had meaning to me and no meaning to him, but he appreciated the meaning that it had for me so that yeah. it, he didn't, it wasn't just like, okay, yeah, I'll put whatever you want on, but it also wasn't like, yeah, let me reinterpret it the way that I need it. Like he kind of fed off of my excitement for the piece and then really used that energy to, to really be invested in something that he shouldn't have been, <laughs> he shouldn't have really cared about. Um, but he really did. And it was, it was really, I, I appreciated that experience of the, the notion of this connection, especially as you said, um, in COVID times, how we're, we're really separate from people. But I think that COVID just really exacerbated the, the, the kind of emotional separation and especially physical separation that we have from people. We yeah. are very isolated. Um, even when we are, and even most of our physical interactions are very isolated and, and emotionally distant. And there's something about getting a tattoo that at least, especially during that con, like when you were explaining the quiet time, like that was the point where we had reached this mutual trust and we are both, it wasn't an awkward quiet. Like you reached the point in a conversation where you're like, ah, I don't know what to say. Like this was just, we've both, we've kind of connected. We're both doing our work here and we both are now in different zones, but that zone is a place that we've gotten to together. And totally. Yeah. And I mean, even that there's an intimacy inherent in like how many people in your personal life would you sit with in silence for an mm -hmm. hour or longer? With them leaning on, on my torso. Yeah. Yeah. While they <laughs> touch you. And, and a half embrace. Yeah. And it really, I mean, like, it, especially because everything that I've had has been on my forearms, but it, it, it involved a level of, of almost embrace to a certain degree that at first kind of felt awkward. Cause it's like, I don't embrace a whole lot of people like this, especially for this amount of time. But then you get to this place of kind of, there's, there's legitimate trust that has to happen, not just for the artwork, but for the closeness 
of you are going we're we are going to mutually be in each other's space for a couple hours here and uh and we needed to trust each other and and it's something that i hadn't expected going into it but it was such an important part of the process and it, it's part of why i got more i mean in a sense like it, it's a personal connection with someone that, that i just hadn't expected yeah i mean i think that's the ideal and you know you summarize why that's something that I work to provide. Um, you know, everyone doesn't handle their tattoo practice that way, but I think if you can treat it with a lot of treat the process and your clients with a lot of respect and be willing to hold space for them, that's part of what the service entails at its best. And I think leads to the best outcomes. I think it also takes it from something that's just a task, just a, a, a business to being a, a true act of connection and we have i feel like there's so many so much of what we need with each other is connection um just to be human <laughs> to, to to say this person is real and, and your feelings are real and i see you and i i am also real like i think that it, the 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 act can be so transactional uh as are most things but the level of, uh, of actual connection um, is something that I hadn't anticipated. And again, I've, I've been in shops where it was very transactional and it was clear like, yeah, I'll put whatever you want. Just tell me, like, here's the price. And rather than, well, let's partner with each other in this, in yeah. this situation. Well, that's that, uh, thinking about that. Like, this is not just true of tattooing, right? Like, but uh, part of what spurred this whole idea of doing this episode and having Stacey on was I just got a new tattoo done. And that quiet time did come up. Like when you were talking about that, I was like, oh yeah, there was a whole stretch of time in the middle there where I wasn't saying anything. Mm -hmm. um, it was mostly focused on not tearing up in front of this big burly guy. <laughs> but I don't think, I don't think he did anything with that quiet space at all. Like what you're talking about. Like it was pure transaction, right? He was there to tattoo another client and get me out the door so that another guy could come in and get tattooed. Right. Like I, I think there is a, a choice to be made there to honor those intimate moments Again, tattooing is a good example, but like uh, inclined to think of the church, right? Like how many churches are there out there that are just purely transactional? Come in, get your sermon, leave an offering. Thank you very much. See you next week. And we leave out the depths that we could go to with somebody on an intimate level. Well, and I think a lot of that is that we ask for that. Like that's what we think we want, even from the church. And I mean, the time that I went in to get a tattoo, that's exactly what I wanted. It's like, here's what I want. I don't want to talk about like give me a price like i wanted transactional and fortunately and the first guy was pretty transactional uh which is why i didn't go back um and it, I mean, <laughs> it that i realized like oh yeah this guy doesn't care about this like he's just doing this and and you can tell he doesn't care and it's fine like the, the thing is fine but it's like asking someone to paint your house like he he's not he's just doing a chore uh whereas the second guy uh, he really spent time with me and, and that, uh, I, I went to it expecting transactional and he gave me something connectional. And I think mm -hmm. that the hard thing to, I mean, to, to Jason's point about the church is that most of us, whether we openly admit it to ourselves, we really want a church that's pretty transactional. I show up, you come visit me at the hospital if I need it. Like, and I, I show up, you give me something for my kids to go to. You and you ask me for money and I give it to you because I know you're going to do like that. 
that's this is the connection that we make it's and which is so broken and sad that the church which is inherently connectional and, and supposed to be connecting each other us to each other and us to god has become such a transactional process of going through the motions which is really difficult yeah. so i mean in all that stacy i mean you've been you've been working on this since what you said 2010 or so how, how do you how do you think this line of work has changed you uh, over the last oh my gosh that's eleven years I refuse to believe that like two thousand one was twenty years ago um, oh yeah it's it's heartbreaking <laughs> deal with that every day when I tattoo someone who's twenty years old and was born in two thousand one <laughs> no no that's not true that's yeah that's... I know right <laughs> but but how do you I mean if you take all this together like the idea that this is art um, that walks away from you at the end of the session and that there's this level of intimacy in the work. How has that kind of changed who you are, uh, if at all through the, through the years of doing this work? I mean, I think in really, in really great and beneficial ways. Um, I, at this point, I'm in a place where I just love tattooing more and more. Um, and I'm someone who it, it can be hard for me to think about doing something like for indeterminate lengths of time. I'm like, oh, I'll do this for a while and see how it goes. But the longer I tattoo, the more I'm like, no, I'm going to keep doing this for the rest of my life in some capacity. This is really good. Um, you know, for me right now, I get a lot of my community and social interaction through tattooing, um, not just with the group of people that I work with, where usually in a tattoo shop, you're working with about five or six other people. Um, so that's an intimate network in itself. Um, but then you get your clients who might be coming in every two or three or four weeks. So there's a certain, you know, regularity to that schedule of, oh, here's this person that I'm, I'm knowing and witnessing their life unfold in whatever way. Um, I think that it, it, for me, it makes me more, more contemplative of what I really want to bring. And, um, I think it's made me more service oriented. It's definitely something the longer I do it, the more I see intuitive or archetypal connections between myself and my life experience and interests and the people who come to me for work. Um, so I think that the, the practice itself helps me understand myself better because you kind of see what it is that you're doing through what people bring and ask you to do. Um, they kind of reflect one another in, in this evolving um, cyclical thing, which is cool. And a lot of the stuff that I'll, you know, study or be interested in at a time will find its way into the tattoos that people ask me for. Uh, so it, I think there's, it helps me see a lot of synchronicity and connectedness in the whole world. Um, and to have a, a sort of awe for that. How does, uh, tattooing work into spirituality? I guess, is there any connection that you see, uh, for you, for yourself personally? Oh, well, I see massive connection and a lot of the people that I work with, even if it's not on their mind when they are thinking about getting a tattoo, there's so much overcoming in getting tattooed that for me, it's almost impossible to think about it as anything but a spiritual activity. Mm -hmm. um, it, it requires a lot of discipline on the part of the client and 
I feel like it's really most successful when people are meditating in a way during the process, whatever that means for them. Um, you know, whether it's some kind of meditation program that they're already involved in, that they choose to partake while they're getting tattooed. Um, I think meditation is fantastic for pain management, mm -hmm. even if it's just as simple as focusing on your breath, breath in, breath out. Um, but I definitely have people who are actively pursuing whatever program they're already involved in or, you know, praying or who just kind of find themselves occupying that broader, more soul-oriented space as a result of the fact that when you're in pain, you kind of do check out of your body at some point. And that's a you know, survival mechanism, but also a lovely thing to experience as a spiritual entity. And historically, I think that tattooing um, at its roots and in its heritage is a fundamentally spiritual enterprise. And if you go back to ancient times and ancient societal structures, you see the tattoo artist really functioning as a spiritual leader and the tattoo act itself is usually representing some you know union of spiritual and physical growth um, whether it's a coming of age or marking a union um, but pretty much in every culture on earth tattooing has been practiced for thousands of years so it's never something that I see at odds to spirituality unless, unless it was for a person who really ascribes to a very dogmatic spiritual, um, like organized religion that might take issue with that. But even that's rare these days. I was going to ask, and I don't know if you could see this, because I mean, obviously in your world, it's really super accepted, but I've seen less and less pushback on the tattoos. Um, it's like even my, well, the my most church accepted tattoos. It, it, this is not right. being identical, but honestly, uh, within the last 20 years, evangelicals were okay with tattoos for their cool pastors. And then you stop. <laughs> <it>. like, <laughs> yeah. But I, it just seems like, you know, again, even in the, my new one, the, ta the blue Jay feather is harder to hide than some of the other, like it's out a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, being on the forearm and absolutely no one in my more conservative congregation that I'm at right now says anything about it. Uh, like it's just welcome and accepted. So like, I think the tide is kind of turning on even that idea of tattoos are forbidden and shouldn't be practiced. Like, I think it's just more accepted in general. You know? Yeah, I definitely see that. And I mean, when you look at young people, they don't even have any concept of tattoos being taboo honestly. Um, I've seen when I worked in the suburbs, we would accept, you know, older teenagers, 16, 17 with parental um, consent for tattoos. We don't allow that in Philly, but up in the burbs, that's allowed. And I've had kids come in at age 16 and they want their first tattoo on their finger or their neck. And you say, well, that's not really a good idea. That yeah. could, you know, <laughs> you know, you're 16. Let's not give you a job stopper yeah. right now. Um, and they don't even know, like, I've, they look at me like I'm just this old grandma who wants to keep them from doing something fun. And, you know, because it's, it's that accepted and that mainstream and so many 
prominent figures in people's lives, you know, so many celebrities have really, really visible tattoos right now. Um, So I think it's something like over 30 or 35% of adults have at least one tattoo these days. And even more interesting to me than that statistic is it's like, you're as likely to have four or more tattoos as to have one tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, that was the biggest thing. I got my first tattoo and immediately it was like, well, now I, I, I didn't get a tattoo until I was 34. And I was thinking, as you're telling the, the thing about kids coming in for their neck tattoos at 16, I was going to get one when I was 18, when I was first able to. And boy, I'm glad I didn't because it was going to be super dumb. Like I, <laughs> every, I can't, I mean, it was going to be like a giant Darth Vader on my, on my calf or something really stupid. And uh, uh, over the years, I just didn't get it because it didn't, it was like not convenient time-wise. And then once I realized like, oh, that would have been pretty stupid. I think it was once the prequels came out, I was like, oh, thank goodness. But I made a rule with myself. It's like, I got to know exactly what I want and exactly where I want it for a year before I get something. And that kept me from getting some really stupid tattoos for a very long time. And then when I finally got one, um, one, my, my standard of, uh, of how long to wait went down because I did kind of recognize like one, I'm at a point that I'm not going to make as much stupid stuff, but also this thing represents me at the time that I get it. So even if I get something that maybe is, as long as it's not offensive, like as long as if I get something that maybe seems dumb later, it's still part of me. And there's some, some kind of connection there, but the, but I mean, to the point, as soon as I got that first one, it, cause I went in thinking, Oh, I'll just get this one tattoo that I've wanted for a while. And I went in and was like, Nope, more. You're like, yeah, I'm just going to keep on getting them. Yeah. Always. And they come quicker too. I'm learning the, the time between yeah. the first one and the second one is not quite as, you know, it's longer than the second one to the third. What's do, do you, Stacy, do you, I assume you have uh, a fair amount of tattoos? I have a fair amount of tattoos. It's, um, <laughs> enough that I'm not sure how many it is yeah you have I think it's also I realized like I've got five but I didn't get them at five different sittings so it's hard to count them like I have uh, a couple that I got I think I went three different times and so two of them I got two and then the one time I got one so do I count that as three tattoos or as five tattoos and and in my head it's 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 different the the accounting is different Uh, yeah is there is there one and I would maybe ask this to the to the room. Is there one tattoo that has maybe a, a story or a meaning that that you would be willing to share? Like maybe not. I mean, it could be your favorite or just one that. that um, yeah. So I have this uh, Blessed Mother tattoo on my left forearm. And I love this tattoo. I, I drew it myself and then I had a gal. Um, tattoo it for me and she did a beautiful job. And I, I love it because it. um. I love the Virgin. Um, Mother Mary is definitely one of my spirit guides. And I, I also love thinking about the connection for me with religion. I just see so much this like giant web of connection where you can look at almost any world religion or spiritual practice and see the most important aspects of it mirrored in every other spiritual practice mm-hmm. um you know and there's there's a lot of details that are certainly different in the way that people worship and you know who who they're talking to and how they're naming um higher powers but i i just see a lot of connectivity so i love thinking about 
um, the connection between uh, the Virgin and there's some figures in the tarot that speak to the same energy and stuff like that that I relate to. Um, but the, the fun story about this tattoo is I got it while um, Jay's and my grandmother was still alive. And I, I guess I hadn't seen her and she was, she was living in a, a home and I had gone to visit her with my parents and gotten this tattoo since I'd seen her last. And I'd been with her for a couple hours and we were down having lunch together and I was sitting next to her at the table eating lunch and she stops like mid bite and looks at me and goes, what's on your arm? And I kind of gulped cause I knew she, she was a really devout Orthodox Catholic and um, had been her entire life. Um, and I was like, Oh, here we go. Cause I knew she really didn't approve of tattoos. And I said, well, grandma, it's, it's a blessed mother. And she got real quiet for a minute and kind of like sunk into her thoughts and she looked at it again and she was holding my arm in her hand. And I'm like, oh no, this, this really isn't good. I, I'm about to get it. And she just took a breath and she goes, she looks good. <laughs> and it was, it was this really special moment because she was, it was sort of the end of her days at that point, maybe in her last year. And I thought, well, I'm really blessed here because grandma has just gone so senile that she doesn't even remember that she disproves of tattoos. <laughs> That's not true uh, because this is a tattoo that I want uh, someday down the line, but this is just a story about our grandma. Uh, I was sitting with her once while our pap was in the hospital and we were playing cards together. And in our younger years, our grandmother was very widely known for cheating at cards. Um, <laughs> like she was a grade A cheater uh, at, at card games. And so I was sitting with her and again, she was, this was towards the end. So she was a little, you know, kind of, on the dementia train, um, but we're playing and whatever. And then Pap walked in the door and it was the first time she'd seen him in a couple of days. And she stood up super excited and four aces fell off her lap onto the floor. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was sitting in my chair, just stunned. Like she still got it. Uh, so I, at some point to honor grandma's legacy, I want a, a tattoo of five aces somewhere, you know, just oh, to really, yeah, really yeah. Uh, hammer that home. My favorite's the piece that Stacy did for me because uh, it, it kind of combines a lot of this stuff. I had found a, a, a tattoo on Pinterest that I sort of kind of liked. It was a, a Celtic cross, but done with a tree of life um, style to it. But the one on Pinterest was like almost okay. Um, and, and, like I liked the idea, but I didn't like the way that artist executed on it. So I sent it to Stacy and said, can you, can you do something like this? Uh, and you reworked it and it's freaking awesome. Um, so it's, it's one of my favorites. I got it when I got ordained and that's back to the point, right? Like, I think some of these tattoos are markers of big milestones in life. Yeah. Um, that one comes from a season of like, okay, I'm finally done with learning how to do this thing. I'm going to go start doing this thing. Yeah. Um, so Where's that, that one's on yeah. your back. No, it's on my, uh, on my shoulder. Oh, this, nice. on the whatever gun. this would be yeah. on, the gun. on the gun. It's called a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Not on my body, it's not. That's a, <laughs> other, other people call it guns. That's not. That's it's not like what one I of those it. big cartoon guns that uh, that Yosemite Sam carried. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mine, uh, all mine are on my forearms, which I was surprised. I mean, to 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 the point of your your feather. Now your feather is a little. It's colored in, so it's a little stands out a little bit more. But I'm yeah. I'm always surprised at how 
it's you're not hiding them when you're when they're on their inside of your forearms but when you just stand in general they don't stand out as much so people yeah. i'm surprised at how people don't notice them right away uh they notice them during the benediction like that's when it's always on <laughs> display because, uh, I, I often have my sleeves up and and so it's just arms out um i really and those all i mean i i don't have any anywhere else i really like them on the forearm um one, because I like to see them. And two, that's one of the parts of the body that 50 years from now is going to still look pretty similar to what it does right now <laughs> compared to <laughs> most of the other parts of my body. The, the one I, I like both in terms of quality and just uh, in general is this. Uh, I have the, it's hard to see. I have the, the golden ratio, um, which is, oh, nice. I, I found kind of, it's less um, less unique. Like I think a lot of artists have, have put golden ratios on people, but the, the guy who did it did a really good job. But it, um, it, the golden ratio is the Fibonacci sequence. It's the, uh, it's this rectangle that has a spiral in it, and it's rectangles in, in rectangles and rectangles, and it's this thing that's found in nature. The Fibonacci sequence is, is doing the math to um, figure out. So hard uh, to explain uh, non visually. Basically, the dimensions of this rectangle, if you cut them in uh, in half or in a third, it's the dimensions of another rectangle. You keep on going down uh, and it, it just fits with math basically. And, and the thing is, is that it's found in nature almost everywhere. Like, and it's found in art. It's what we appreciate in art. It's less, art is less about symmetry and more about kind of fitting into this golden ratio that just feels good when we like, when we see things and things like a, like a Nautilus shell fits within this golden ratio, uh, a, a pine cone, uh, has a spiral to it that fits in the golden ratio. And it's, it's this thing from a mathematical standpoint, the mathematicians both love it and hate it because it's perfect and it exists in nature and it shouldn't because perfect things shouldn't exist mathematically like this. So it's, it's both intriguing and confounding. And to me, it, it speaks to this kind of God's fingerprints all over everything that you can see God in this perfection where it shouldn't be and how we have this innate, uh, we're drawn to this thing, even if we don't really know what it is. And I, I love uh, the notion of the combination of science and faith and, and that, that math and, and like that uh, calculus, <laughs> calculating kind of figures, data and spirituality are not at loggerheads. They are not incongruous, uh, but that they actually make one better. And, and especially the golden ratio is that perfect synthesis of this thing that we can exactly figure out that we also cannot figure out at all. Like we can, we can, we can get it down to the precise like mathematical equation as to what it is, but as to why it is, we can't figure out at all. And I think that that's beautiful. And also the guy did a great job. So, and, and it was <laughs> the first one I got with the guy who was, who was really good. And, um, it was just, a, it, uh, it turned out way better than I expected. He got it really, really small. Um, it's just, just overall, it's a great experience. That's funny to me. And I don't know if Stacy wants to weigh in on this, that you only have forearms because of the three I have, oh my Lord, did the forearm hurt the worst. Yes. It was so bad. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure there are more painful places to go, but. oh, Indeed was... there are. <laughs> <laughs> I was weeping. What I've heard is, yeah, and Stacey, maybe you can confirm or deny this, but I've heard the hard places and the soft places are the two that hurt the most. I think that that's pretty true. It's it's generally um, the inner 
inner sides tend to be more painful because they don't get as much exposure to sun or just, you know, you're not bumping the inside of your arm on things. Generally you're bumping the outside of your arm on stuff. So it's a little tougher. I also think connective tissue, any area that has ligaments or tendons, a lot of connective tissue holding things together that can be more painful. So you hear spots like ribs or knees, elbows, stuff like that. Usually don't feel so sweet, Excellent. but they all hurt. Don't let anyone lie to you. Every tattoo hurts. Is there, is there a line? Is there something you wouldn't do? Are there clients that you would refuse? Um, I definitely refuse any like racist or offensive tattoos for sure. And I refuse tattoos based on placement. Um, You know, I'm not really tattooing most people's hands or faces or stuff like that. For me, that depends on my relationship with that person. Um, Some of those areas are really popular right now, thanks to celebrity culture. And I think that's unfortunate for some of the younger folks in the world who you know, think there's just no consequence for having your girlfriend's name when you were 20 tattooed on your neck, you know, so I turn that stuff down depending on the context or, you know, even finger tattoos, which are, you know, they can be pretty and I, I enjoy mine, but a lot of people think they want that without fully understanding what it may look like once it's healed or, um, and just, how much more ephemeral the skin is on your hands than on other parts of your body and what that means for the life of a tattoo over the course of your lifetime. And, you know, then I try, I try not to tattoo any crazy people. If I, if I can tell ahead of time that you're crazy, it's a no. (laughs) Is there, that might make booking my next one hard. (laughs) (laughs) Do you get, I mean, do you include kind of impulsivity in that? Do you you get a sense when someone just walks in is like, Guess what? We just decided I want a tattoo. Like, is there a certain encouragement? Really not. Maybe think about it. Yeah. um, No, I would say no. Um, If it's if it's in a place that I feel it could do them harm to have it, then then I would. But you know, the other important thing for us as tattooers and most of the people I've worked with, I think, feel something akin to this, which is I'm not the arbiter of your life choices. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. it's not my tattoo. It's your tattoo. So you know, ultimately we want people to be happy with what they're wearing on their bodies. And it's really not for me to say, oh, that's stupid or that's ugly. Um, that's, that's not really a respectful way to approach someone else's physical body. Well, thank you, Stacy, for being on. Do you have, Stacy? do you have an Instagram or something that we can follow to look at your work? I do. Uh, so my Instagram is my name. It's Stacy Fevinger, S-T-A-C-Y. F as in Frank, E-V-I-N-G-E-R. And my website is also myname.com. So I'm pretty easy to find. We always ask guests when they come on, uh, you get, you know, because we have such a wide audience. If there's anything you want to plug right now, uh, either something of yours or just something that you've something seen lately in culture that, that you would like people to know about. I'm always, always plugging the tattoos. Um, you know, anyone, anyone who wants a spiritual tattoo, Come, come find me because I'm into that. Ashley, Chris, anybody else that's out in Philly? Yeah. You heard her. <laughs> Anything to plug, Jay, for you? I've been stuck on that Foo Fighters album. Oh, yeah. I need to listen to it. I haven't listened to it. I, w- I want to plug uh, the game Flux. It's a card game. 
and it's, uh, yeah. it's super old, probably like 20 or 30 years old, but it, there's a bunch of different iterations of it. It's really fun. Uh, nice. There's a Monty Python version that we got with my kids. And then we watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail for the first time from end to beginning to end, which was pretty good. I only had to skip one scene. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and that was- Which scene? Yeah. Castle Anthrax, where they go in, where basically uh, Michael Palin goes in and, and all the women are trying to have sex with him. I, oh, I, I just yeah. conveniently kind of skipped a couple, like just like poop, 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 it skips like, <laughs> and they didn't even really notice. Other than that, everything. I mean, it's pretty PG apart from that. And even that's like yeah. PG, like a light PG-13. It just has some phrases that I didn't want to have to have conversations about just at the moment. I was going to say, it's the conversation that you're avoiding. Yeah, when they're like, that what's point. that like, mean? Why do they all want to be spanked? It's like, oh. <laughs> we'll talk about that. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty open to tell you about this stuff. I just don't want to do it right now. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's a, it's a really fun game. And it's, uh, I highly recommend uh getting it if you if you get the chance um there was something else i was gonna plug okay oh the iphone 12 i plugged that i got a, a new phone and it's fantastic i got the mini i'm a big fan of you the got mini. the mini yeah you went with the blue oh, huh cool. yeah it's the same size as my seven so i'd had a seven and then i jumped to a 12 that was that was quite a quite a jump thing but yeah it's uh it's everything i wanted a new phone to be i also got a refrigerator and they both cost exactly the same amount of money which shows you how expensive this stupid was. <laughs> Adulting sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I bought a lot of stuff this week. I bought a phone, I bought um, a refrigerator, and I bought 30 feet of sewer pipe and a big hole in my front yard so that when my toilet's flush, all the water leaves my house instead of. I saw the video of that <laughs> and just, I cried for you. Yeah, it's the most yeah. dumb. Uh, uh, Part of being an adult is stuff like that. Now, to 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 wrap us up again, Stacy, I caught this earlier, but you may have noticed Tyler has this like ridiculous mental Rolodex of all things movie and culture. Yeah. And I noticed in the intro that like when you brought up the Beauty and the Beast, that you might be able to go toe to toe with him. So I think we're gonna have to have you back. Oh yeah. To, <laughs> to test the the I the tie MDB as I call it. We can talk about tithing, and then we could have a, a cultural uh, showdown. Yeah, and I'll just sit in the corner. Like drink coffee, <laughs> so talk about movies I haven't seen yet. Big that. I realize how, as you're having this conversation, I I do have something I should plug. Yeah. And I think you two are just weird enough that this may be relevant to your audience. Um, so for any RPG players, role playing gamers, yeah, yeah. Um, I am illustrating an indie role playing game oh. right now. And it's called Don't Tell Mom and Dad. You can find it on Instagram at Don't Tell Mom and Dad. And it's a kids on bikes game um, set in the 70s to 90s where you can create a character for yourself from the ages of seven to 15 and roll around with a crew of young detectives trying to save your town from aliens or nuclear goo or whatever other dark threats you may uncover. That is brilliant. That checked so good. many roughing the pastor boxes. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Question for the Instagram, Twitter is so obvious that I have to complicate it only slightly. Uh, dear listeners, if you have a tattoo, send us a photo of your favorite tattoo, but also include the story behind it because that's been a big piece of what we've been talking about today. Don't just show off your, your cool looking Pac-Man tattoo. Tell us why you have what you have and uh, drop a link on that on Instagram. 
in my head, it's a cool looking Pac-Man tattoo is Pac-Man looking cool. So it's like Pac-Man wearing shades. Yes. I pictured the same thing. Yeah, like the shades <laughs> emoji only yep. with a Pac-Man mouth cut out. <laughs> Stacy, thanks so much for hopping on with us. Yeah, this is great. Thanks for having me, guys. This is fun. Well, I'm Tyler. I'm Jay. Oh, should I do it this time? Yeah, go for it. I'm Tyler. Okay. I'm Jay. And I'm Stacy. And this has been Roughing the Pastor. Hey, just in case anybody wants to know, we recorded this on Wednesday, March 3rd. I might take that off depending on how long it takes me to stamp this, but if I get it out today, <laughs> we'll know yeah. that this one's fresh.